filmmaker, labor organizer, ILCA instigator, a word with Howard Kling. Welcome to the ILCA Insider Podcast. We amplify labor's voice around the world. I'm Lisa Martin, president of the ILCA. Today, we have Howard Kling with us. Howard comes to us from the University of Minnesota Labor Education Service and Workday Minnesota, the first online labor news service in the United States. Howard, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Lisa. Great. This is fun. So, Howard, you've worked on some very interesting projects over the years. Tell me about some of the most interesting things you've worked on, whether it's, you know, traveling to Vietnam to film some of the conditions there or even more recent projects that you've been working on in Minnesota. So you mentioned Vietnam. That's I can start there. I was. I, I, let me back up. So um, one thing I was going to mention is that a project nobody around here knows about ever is that in the 80s, I had a feature film project called For They Shall Inherit about a plant closing in Buffalo, New York. And I almost got there. My life would be totally different <laughs> if I had. <laughs> I actually worked with some of Redford's producers, American Playhouse, agents in L.A., but it didn't happen. So I'm on, wow. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. When you ask like interesting project, that would have been interesting. To Vietnam twice actually with um, uh, Kent Wong and uh, a bunch of uh, labor educators and union people to actually build relationships with the labor movement in Vietnam. And uh, I was the one with the camera, so I made two, you know, whatever documentary kind of uh, videos about it and. Um, it was, I mean, it was really interesting, um, I can say. I could go on a lot about it. Uh, Vietnam is a fascinating place. And, of course, like I'm, you know, ancient, so I was part of the anti-war movement in the 60s. So, and uh, so it meant a lot. And, and, and some of the people meant a lot to go. And, and um, you know, I just found the people wonderful and uh, actually quite open about talking about issues and so on. So it was kind of cool. Anyway, yeah. I, I was going to say, so, you know, what what is it like in Vietnam? I, I don't think a lot of people are oh. terribly familiar with the labor conditions there. So, first of all, it's a pretty, it's a rather crazy place, actually. I mean, there are uh, scooters everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, you take your life in your hands when you cross the street, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and um, it, it's really active and vibrant and... You know, uh, I, I felt and, and people were, the people I met anyway, were just wonderful people and just like folks everywhere um, and seemed to have a great deal of, um, you know, freedom and all that stuff. I mean, I it didn't, you know, I, I, obviously it's a communist country and I'm a socialist, so that doesn't bother me much, but it didn't, you know, didn't feel like some Stalinist, uh, you know, whatever. It felt pretty good. So we toured, um, we toured some, a bunch of factories uh, the both times uh, that I was there. Um, and they were, though, state-owned enterprises or mixed, like uh, 50 or more than 50% owned by the state and then some, you know, uh, private investment dollars also. Uh, they tended to be... Um, really, uh, uh, you know, the conditions were great and uh, what was provided to workers, you know, from daycare to food to 
um, training and all that was was quite impressive. Um, we were able to talk to a few workers. Um, I mean, people were laughing when we were videotaping. And anyway, it seemed like things, you know, and one was a shoe factory. I'm trying to remember all the different uh, things that we went to. But, you know, those those would typically be, you know, places with great conditions. That's kind of the ideal that's um, that I guess the, um, the whole system wants. Uh, we weren't able to um, visit any of the enter- factories in the enterprise zones in Vietnam, which is where the uh, foreign direct investment and where all the kind of more sweatshop labor um areas are um or places are um and i've actually wanted to go back and try to do that i I will say that um vietnam uh used to now my my knowledge of it is two or three years old but uh used to be a place where it had the most wildcat strikes in the world um and those strikes generally were supported by the government, even when they would be against whatever Nike or you know or something in those enterprise zones. Um, there's a lot of organizing, and uh, there a lot of it's spontaneous. And uh, the official labor movement of Vietnam has, you know, uh, let's say in the last ten years, has made it uh, a point to try to help organize that. I don't right right this minute know how that's all going, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, it's really, it's, it's not what people expect necessarily, <laughs> but, uh, and, it, you know, yeah, it was, was super interesting and, and yeah. So, so, so not putting you on the spot for statistics, but from what you're telling me, it sounds like the declines that say we're seeing in terms of union density in the United States, that's not the scenario that's happening over there. Um, yeah, I would say that's true, actually. Um, well, first, first of all, you know, I mean, again, the, uh, government is, is pro worker. So, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, the national trade, it depends on how you want to talk about it. I mean, there's so many people who want to criticize this and I mean, there's plenty of, you know, room for discussion, but basically, you know, the trade union federation is, is an important part of, uh, you know, governing, you know, the the country. I mean, they're, they're included in a lot. Um, they're very important, unlike here, right? Where, you know, that they don't have to win that importance all the time. It's kind of assumed like here, you know, like, you know, how, how things are with labor here. Um, so, so that's pretty interesting. I just, yeah, I couldn't give you statistics. Um, uh, but you know, I can find them. I just don't have them in my head uh, mm-hmm. about you know all that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So, let me bring this around to the ILCA. You've served in various roles: uh, board member, president, and so on. Tell me about some of the highlights of your work and relationship with ILCA over the years. From the, I'll start from the beginning. I, I joined the, um, the executive council in I don't know mid to late '90s, probably like '97 or something, 1997, last century. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh lord, um, and you know, so I'm, I'm just I, I don't think it's any secret that at, at that time. Um, 
people, uh, labor communicators, sort of on the more left end of the political spe spectrum, became leaders of the ILCA, and I guess I was part of that. Um, and so I, I mentioned it because, I mean, we made a lot of changes. Um, uh, we kind of threw the doors wide open and reached out to journalists um, who weren't necessarily working for unions, but were doing good work, you know, as independents or um, on uh, doing good labor stories and covering union stuff. Um, I think we kind of downplayed the importance of the PR DC-based PR firms that had kind of had sway over the ILSA in certain ways. Um, and I, I know we caused some consternation, so to speak. <laughs> um, we embraced electronic media, which is kind of, I don't know, was too new or something. I mean, their oh. uh, video had been, yeah, I mean, video was introduced as part of our contest, you know, um, before, but I mean, it was kind of a second or third class citizen and, and there, you know, there was, I don't know, you know, I mean, just change, right? So there's change going on, like in, in uh, in technology and uh, we really embraced it and and uh um you know made it more important i think that was really smart because you know look how i mean things have changed so now. much since then yeah, yeah it's such Absolutely. A, yeah so i know it sounds weird it sounds weird now to even say that but there there was definitely a time when there was a great deal of skepticism and i mean you know that's also a long uh, discussion about things. Um, we also like turned, uh, made the ILCA convention a full-blown labor media conference, and we embraced controversy and around issues. And stuff. I mean, we just kind of threw the door open of uh, you know, kind of free speech. And I know, I mean, maybe that sounds overly critical, but I, you know, it just we made a sort of different um, feel for what we were doing, and. Um, so, um, I, I, so that was one thing that I mean uh, that you know continues to this day. I think uh, that different kind of uh, feeling, um, uh, more similar to like labor education conferences, where you know people can have different points of view about issues, even be a little critical of things unions are doing or whatever. Um, so anyway. You know, later on, something that I, I'm really proud of and that um, I, I think was sort of groundbreaking is after um, uh, Katrina um, hit New Orleans and devastated the city and, and uh, neighborhoods and the whole thing, you know, people know the story, um, we decided to go to New Orleans and have our convention there. It was about a year later, maybe. Um, I can't remember the dates anymore, but... Uh, but we also did something different. We didn't just go there. We uh, decided to, instead of having a, a you know a media conference like I just described, we decided to have a labor media center and and uh, and have everyone they wanted to participate, which was everyone um, who came to the convention, to go out in teams with uh, local folks from New Orleans and and actually. Um, gather news and, and information and tell the story of what's going on with workers in New Orleans post-Katrina. And so we had to do a lot of work to um, set that up. We had to, you know, contact the unions and, and other community organizations we hooked up with as well to uh, 
get folks to commit to, uh, you know, on this one day on a Friday, I think it was in, uh, in New Orleans to go out with all these teams and take them to different places, uh, to do interviews with workers to see like the devastation. I, I know I went, for instance, to, uh, with the firefighters and I, they, most of the, uh, most of their, um, headquarters, you know, where they're, their barns, whatever they call it, you know, their fire station, sorry, were, um, were devastated and they were in different um, locations and they were rebuilding and they had tons of stories about the conditions and what they had to endure, you know, post Katrina. I mean, we went to a housing project that, you know, had been devastated. We went to the ninth ward and we talked to workers this whole time and, and also workers that were rebuilding, um, other things like uh, a, um, in the construction trades, uh, you know, an innovative um, um, apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship program that involved the community in it. Um, there's all kinds of neat stuff going on. Not so neat stuff like how the um, city destroyed the teachers union that had to be rebuilt. Um, and also a lot of immigrant organizing that was going on and a guy by the name of Socket Sony who I think uh, w that we met and, and he, uh, I don't think anybody knew him much at the time, but he's now become a, a leader in the um, worker center movement um, and so on. And he's just a wonderful guy, et cetera. I mean, there was just, uh, it was a wonderful thing. We, at the end of it, um, during our business meeting, uh, we, the people who, you know, organized, they got a standing ovation. It was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, and we put all the stories on a website. So we actually created something. Right in it. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that. And, and, uh, and it was, and we did two more of them. Um, and I think New Orleans was because of the nature of it, the most successful, but it was an interesting thing. And people loved it because they got to work together. You got to work with somebody maybe you didn't hardly know, right? Sure. Um, in a team of but, five yeah. people. So. I mean, it sounds like an incredible experience, a combination of kind of learning and experiencing things as a as a conference goer that is not typical at all, but also the ILCA being able to to really amplify what's happening on the ground during this current event, which was was frankly just shocking, disturbing, just the the inequity of, that was exposed after um, that hurricane right. was was just you know uh, just kind of a you know thank you for kind of retelling that story. I wasn't with the ILCA at the time, but it's yeah. kind of kind of a a really good call um, to bring labor communicators to to that city at that time period. Yeah, we all. By the way, we also provided training ahead of time. So if somebody wanted to learn how to do video, they could go out in the team and try it out. That, there was all that to it too. So anyway, yeah, it was, yeah, I agree. I mean, it was also maybe, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the some of the issues around racism uh, in that city and what happened in the aftermath, all that. Like, it may have been the first time uh, Ilka actually explicitly started to in a convention, explore those things, uh, issues around immigration and so on and immigrants and uh, low wage workers. We, you know, we looked at all of it as much as we could. So, and I think we kind of from that on continued to do that. And 
almost culminating in a Raleigh convention, I would say, in that sense, um, although it's not over. but I'm Sure. Did you want to touch on kind of the issues that that came, you know, that that were brought to the forefront at the the Raleigh, North Carolina convention? I was there, so, but but did yeah, you, want you to were there. Talk about you can that? talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, you I tell mean, me. I, yeah, no, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's another uh, that's another convention. I'm I think was kind of one of the finer moments of Ilka, I guess. We went to Raleigh in what was that? 2015, 16. When, when was that? Do you remember? Um, uh, anyway, we went to Raleigh. 16, but yeah. 16. Okay, right. And uh, we 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 explicitly went to Raleigh to do a convention focused on organizing the South as well as uh, issues of race and the labor movement. And um, so we, you know, uh, I mean. How would I say? I mean, so that's that was the focus of the convention. There was certainly some hands-on kinds of uh, workshops and so on, but mostly uh, we heard from people who were organizing, doing organizing work in, in the South, various unions, community and labor organizations in Raleigh, uh, people talking, and like everyone, it was quite amazing. Like everyone in every session, just about. Uh, spoke uh, uh, about issues of race and we um, and and the labor movement's uh, responsibility around that and 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 all that and we culminated with a uh, plenary about Black Lives Matter, which was um, kind of unique. So uh, I remember, uh, you know, the uh, a, a person um, asking me at the end whether we planned that whole discussion <laughs> around race because they thought it was pretty amazing and and the answer was yes and no I mean like we probably put it in we put it in motion but I had no idea what was really going to happen other than the final plenary but it it kind of fit together and I think um, it it's just a really important moment raised all the you know these issues which of course are huge now or or they've always been huge but like so raw because of trump and uh and what's happened um since and and are still an important discussion so i think it was great myself but yeah and i think you know with having reverend barber there and oh right we you know he's a, an amazing spokesperson on these issues, and it was a—I think it was a great experience for the participants. It was a wonderful experience for me, for sure. And you know, I feel like we started a conversation, or maybe the conversation started far earlier than that. But it's—you know—it's not a not resolved, and we still have you know yeah. more conversations to be had and as communicators um, with these issues. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for you know kind of uh, rounding out that. The, how those conventions played out. I think they, you know, one thing that ILCA does really, really well is is pulling off wonderful conventions. And I hope we continue that trend with this year's convention, which Great. will uh, is slated for uh, November of this year. So, my 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 kind of last question for you, which kind of is a big question, uh, but just tell me what your general thoughts are. What, what do you think the direction of labor media is from where you sit? Where are things going? <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if 
I'll say something from my point of view, uh, which I've kind of had for the whole time I've been doing labor media work, I guess, in different ways and developing ways. But um, I'm not actually happy with where labor media is. Um, and so tell us where, where it should I be think, going then. <laughs> well, well, so, but the one thing I have to say, like, I am not. I, I work at the University of Minnesota Labor Education Service. I don't do, uh, I don't do communications work for a particular union every day in my life. Um, you know, year in year out, um, I'm not expecting. You know, so my point, my, I, I have a sort of privileged and different point of view that's a little bit, uh, you know, outside of that, um, which can probably sound annoying, <laughs> you know, because of it. So I just want to say that. I mean, I, I acknowledge I don't do that work and I have plenty of friends who do do that work and, um, and it's, it's hard work and, um, there, most people are, well, I shouldn't even say that people are doing a wonderful job. And, um, and I, so, and the, what we're up against is pretty huge, um, which gets to what I've, worried about from the beginning again probably being from where I sit and so on but you know when we think about labor media I worry that we you know still think too narrowly um, that is all we're really thinking about is that daily what we got to get done and the messaging that has to happen and we seldom really figure out how to have an impact on the broader dialogue um, you know, actually have an impact on the culture and thinking of our entire society. I, I, um, and that's, that's a pretty hard thing to do. Um, it's been done sometimes in the, in history, in, uh, sketchily and, and, you know, here and there, but so I know it's hard, but unless we think about it and, and want to do it, um, it never happens. And so what I mean by that is, so, we started Workday Minnesota, which you mentioned in the beginning, which is an, the first online labor news uh, service, could call it a paper, except it's not on paper, um, in, in the U.S. We did that after a conference, uh, uh, a labor media conference in 1994, in which we heard about Labor Start, which I think a lot of people know about, which is an international labor news site that still exists. Um, and we started thinking about um, uh, you know, doing, and, and there was a lot of conversation around, should there be a national labor newspaper and all this stuff that was swirling around communications, uh, labor communications circles. Um, anyway, so we, we decided to do this and we did it in cooperation with the Minnesota AFL-CIO. So here's the thing, like nobody, it's, it's been quite successful. Honestly, it still exists. We just changed it a lot. Um, recently um, when we hired a new editor but nobody else in the united states has ever tried it um, there are other online newspapers and like central body newspapers that you know here in minnesota there's minneapolis for st paul both have um, and, and duluth they all have uh, central labor council or you know area labor council newspapers that are now online so i guess i should but but I mean that the uh, being online, well it's central now. But it was an afterthought. Like we actually deliberately set out to try to be a statewide labor news service, 
And we could never talk anybody else, the labor movement, into doing it. Um, and uh, there, so why is that? Maybe it's a horrible idea. That's what people are thinking out there. I don't think that's true, actually. Um, and it wasn't for not trying. I mean, we tried. Um, you know, it feels like my uh, film project that I mentioned almost got there a couple of times, but but didn't. Um, uh, other projects like Workers Independent News, which uh, was a, is now defunct, just died last year, um, started about the same time as Workday Minnesota at, at the in 2000, 2001 uh, area, um, was a, started out as a radio, you know, just as very simple, um, uh, actually commercial radio uh, labor news um, project. Uh, so it wasn't for PBS necessarily, all that sort of stuff. It was actually to try and get it on drive time and, and where people were listening. And it had years and, you know, it had moments when it was really taking off, but it just never got anywhere. So again, why? I, you know, um, I, I mean, and and there's lots of other projects like that. And what, what I would one, what I would could imagine is how wonderful it would have been had any of this t taken off. And could it have changed the dialogue? Um, could it have made it? So could it have created a different atmosphere within which unions would did their work and people did their organizing and folks bargained and uh, and you know fought against bad um, bills in, in state legislatures and that sort of or whatever you know like I think so but you know that may you know I mean there's a reason why it didn't happen so. Um, and I think the reason is because we're living in this kind of 20, well, gosh, 30 or 40 years of, of actually reaction, right? I mean, it's led up to mm -hmm. Trump. Um, I think we've lived through a really difficult period of, uh, in which, um, the labor movement was just so under attack, but not just the labor movement, the values of the labor movement, um, uh, and going back to why I think it would have been important to try to influence those more. Um, I mean, you know, uh, we, the values of cooperation, collectivity, worrying, you know, um, the uh, value of work and workers and the dignity of work are, are, have been so under attack for, sadly, for most of my adult life, actually, from, the 80s forward, um, deliberately under attack as, as um, I mean, I would say as, as you know, capital, you know, uh, reasserted itself um, and became, you know, made the argument that, that uh, unbridled capitalism is the best way to have, you know, prosperity and freedom. And it's not because we can see it's not. But um, so. I don't know. That's disappointing. And I, I wish we could still think about it. Um, uh, cause I think really there's, there's the need to do more than just worry about messaging the latest thing. Not that that's bad. Like, I mean, so right. the latest, it's, it's uh, crucial, but the, I, I hear what you're saying about the larger conversation and elevating those values, which are, are simply undeniable. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, and, and so that when I said the left took over the ILC, I mean, that was on a lot of people's minds. It just, it just, you know, it, it probably couldn't work at the time. I don't know. You know, I, I don't, you know, whatever, or maybe, maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't do it right or maybe, you know, whatever, but it, it's a disappointment. And, and it, that's what I worry about. I mean, cause I get to, I guess, <laughs> but and still would like to see happen. And so that's why we still continue to do work day and we've kind of turned it into a, um, uh, you know, investigative journalism uh, thing, not just uh, reporting on what happens on the picket line, but trying to look behind the scenes about a lot of different issues. And so I think that's also something that is, imp- I mean, labor should be defending, you know, free speech, journalism, it, you know, and it kind of, and, and it's difficult now because media keeps changing right around us. So like, what does yeah. all that mean anyway? But I mean, I get all that, but at the same time, I can remember in the early nineties, late eighties, when labor, uh, the labor movement was actually, you know, pushing, uh, national, you know, public, um, broadcasting to have labor shows. And there were, uh, uh, TV shows like, uh, we do the work that actually made it onto, um, on, on the PBS for a while. Um, oh, interesting. That all just got abandoned, you know, like mm-hmm. um, somewhere, you know, we lost that way. And people were, despite the fact people were continued to push for it. I, and I, I, you know, and I, that particular thing failed. That whole idea of pushing PBS failed at, at the Gingrich revolution, right? So-called, right? Uh, when, when, I haven't um, heard that they, one in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, but actually, that's when it happened. Um, so, and, and that's why I say, I mean, we've been living through this really incredible uh, period of reaction. So, you know, all these things that were good were attacked. Um, you know, th- that Congress um, didn't totally defund, but cut cut you know money to public broadcasting by pretty drastically. And so I guess, you know, it's no surprise that, that the, the movement to try to um, have PBS respond to workers' issues, um, you know, died, I guess. But so that's what, you know, so we, we, we weren't up to the task of fighting that and doing something. It was hard to do, you know. And so the opportunities we might have had were attacked and undermined by, you know, others. <laughs> Thanks, Howard. So, so that sounds depressing. like we have uh, our work cut out for us. <laughs> yeah, that's depressing. So I just think that, you know, people are going to come up with this idea again soon. We have to engage thank, the broader dialogue. Thank you for your time and insights. And did you want to share the Workday Minnesota web website address for us? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's workdayminnesota.org. Pretty simple. Yes, I've Pretty been on simple. the website. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but but right. great, great coverage. So thank you for joining us today. And for folks listening, please check the ILCA website and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.